welcome to our Kingdom Culture Podcast. For today's message, we are thankful for what God is doing through this podcast to encourage and transform lives around the world. If you have a story to share about how God has encouraged or transformed your life through this podcast, we would love to hear about it by emailing us at mystory@kingdomculture.ca. If you would like to support this ministry financially to help us bring messages like this to you every week, you can do so online at kingdomculture.ca at the Give option. We also would love to connect with you on our social media, on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa, and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy! Thank you to all those tuning in online. We love you. We are always a week behind online. For those that are tuning in at 1030, welcome, welcome, welcome. Glad that you're here with us. Super excited to have you in the house. Happy Thanksgiving! anybody in the room is that what's happening this morning i don't know what's going on happy thanksgiving it's better yeah thank you thank you i'm receiving identity from your response to me hashtag glenn dr glenn and phyllis hill (laughs) happy thanks i i love my favorite dinner of the year is turkey dinner anybody with me on that yeah i can have it two days in a row three days in a row i love it we had it on friday night and i'm making it tomorrow and uh, I just, I just love it. Anybody like stuffing in the house? Oh yeah, yeah. Who, who, who doesn't like stuffing? Oh wow, We're, we have a minute deliverance ministry down at the front. At the end of the experience today, we will pray for you, man. You can't have turkey without stuffing. You can't. It's like uh, what would be the? It's like having. Uh, I don't know what the equivalent is. It's like having a day without coffee is like having turkey without stuffing. Does that work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. Well, I am excited that you're here. We just, I pray that you would have an experience today with God. That's why we do what we do. We don't gather just to play church. And I hope you don't gather to do the same. Like we want to be contributors, not consumers. You don't come to church for what you're going to get. You know that, right? You come to church for what you're going to give because when you gather as the church, as the people of God, we're giving our best to him in every way. We're giving our worship. We're giving our hearts. We're giving our, our minds. We're, we're offering up everything to him. And so when you come and you gather as a people, really it's a gathering of contribution. It's a, ga- a gathering of generosity. It's a gathering of investment into the kingdom. Amen? And I want to talk today a little bit about uh, out of First Peter. First Peter. By the way, you know, we prayed for Israel. Um, something that's on my heart. We, as a ministry, we've invested in Israel quite a bit over the years. And we, um, the group that I was with three years ago, down in Israel with was the same is the same group many of them are still there right now in a bomb shelter it was exactly basically oh uh, yeah th- four years ago now 2019 um, that exact group uh, is down there right now and on this trip that we got our it happens every every year and they're the ones some of them are in the bomb shelter right now so just keep 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 of course keep Israel in prayer of course I have friends down there that are in a bomb shelter, so I, I feel like connected there as well even more. But uh, let's just pray for Israel. You know, there's, there's so much value in praying for God's country. Um, 
you know, we can get into whether, you know, you agree or disagree with replacement theology, but we, uh, we just value, we value Israel, we value Jerusalem, it's God's city, and uh, we just know throughout Scripture, those who bless Israel will be blessed, we believe that, we really believe that. Um, there's something so significant, especially in the end times, connected to Israel as a nation, so I'd encourage you to, to pray. Uh, about Israel. We're, we're speaking today in First Peter. Every Thanksgiving, I try to do something around thankfulness. I think it's important. I think it's one of the most important topics as far as in our spiritual lives. Uh, and we're going to camp out a little bit the beginning in Second Peter. So track with me. We're going to put it on the screen for you. But First Peter, just to give you a little bit of context, is writing to believers who are facing opposition to the world. Okay, that's First Peter. Second Peter, we get into this um, element of Peter encouraging and writing to believers who are facing false teachers, okay? And how many know there's lots of false teachers out there? And, you know, I believe that social media in a lot of ways is one of those false teachers. I believe some of the news outlets that we listen to are some of those false teachers that spread uh, uh, teachings and things that just are damaging to us as people, not just us as believers, but us as people. And I just believe there's so many faces of false teaching out there now, more than there's ever been, right? I mean, now people, you know, you want to get in information, you just go on YouTube and you find the next latest YouTube, you know, conspiracy theory prophet out there and you listen to them and that becomes your doctrine. Very dangerous. Very dangerous. We need to get into the Word. This is the most important book. This is a bestseller for a reason. We need to, we need to get into this book again. And sometimes just disconnect from some of the social media, some of the other news outlets and false teaching out there. And so Second Peter is writing to believers who are facing false teachers within their fellowship. And uh, Peter is near his life when he's writing this. He's, he's nearing the end of his life. He can sense it. He can feel it. And he's encouraging believers to be reminded of who they are and all that Jesus has done for them. And, and to encourage them not to turn a blind eye to some of the things that are opposing and coming after after the people and of course you know this is all in reference to if you read it this expectation that jesus is coming back soon now you know soon is relative we know that right time is relative you know it, jesus said in the book of revelation in john's vision behold i'm coming quickly that was over two thousand years ago and we're still waiting so time is relative there are things that have to happen we believe that jesus is coming back I mean, you can't read the Bible and not see that. But now I want to get into 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 12. I want to read this over you. Because the stakes are so high, I'm reading it out of the message translation, even though you're up to date on all this truth and practiced it inside and out, I am not going to let it up for a minute and calling to attention, you to attention before it. This is the post to which I've been assigned, keeping you alert with, say it with me, frequent reminders. We need to be reminded over and over again. You can hear the same message over and over again and get something new every single time. You can hear the same message of, of salvation over and over again and still feel like you grow and still feel like you can receive. You can, you, you can get the same reminder over and over again from your wife or your husband. Take out the trash, do the laundry, fold this, put this away, and you still forget sometimes. You know what I'm talking about? Like, we live in a world where we need constant reminders. Even more in a, in a day and age where, 
man, there is stuff coming out, people that is like mind-blowing to get them out of a place of confidence of who they are, challenge their identity, challenge how they were born, how they were created, the purpose for which they were created. I mean, we're being challenged all the time. And so we need God's reminders, don't we? We need biblical reminders. We need reminders every day of who we are and of who we're not. Keeping you alert with frequent reminders and I'm sticking to it as long as I live. I know that I'm to die soon. This is Peter talking. The master has made that quite clear to me. So he has this expectation he's going to die soon. And so I'm especially eager that you have all this down in black and white so that after I die, you'll have it ready for reference. Because you're going to need some reminders. After I die, I'm writing all this out for you so that when I die, you have it. We have this post his death. Over 2,000 years later, or even less, we have this to remind us of what we need to do or how we need to live and position ourselves. Thank God for his word. Is somebody here in the room this morning? Verse 16. We weren't, you know, just wishing on a star when we laid the facts out before you regarding the powerful return of our master, Jesus Christ. We were there for the preview. Because he's, and he's referencing he, in this, this, this transfiguration moment on the mountain where he was there and he watched Jesus and the glow over Jesus and he watched Elijah and Moses visit him. He's referencing this in this context. We were there for the preview. We saw it with our own eyes. Jesus, resplendent with light from God the Father, as the voice of majestic glory spoke, this is my son, marked by my love, focus of all of my delight. We were there on the holy mountain with him. We were there in that transfiguration moment, and we heard the voice out of heaven with our very own ears. He said, listen, I was there with him. you got to pay attention to what I'm saying. I saw the preview. Like, I know where things are headed. Now we fast forward into verse or chapter 3. Go there with me, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I have written both of them, 1 Peter and 2 Peter, as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through the apostles. Reminders are important. How many would agree? I, I want to I wanna say this over and over again. We need reminders in this day and age. We need reminders. We need to be reminded. Some of you, you've been out of maybe church culture for a long time. Maybe you've not been around believers for a long time. Maybe you're recently connecting. Maybe you're kind of on a new journey. Maybe you're on a new journey of faith. Let me just tell you, like, if you don't have reminders constantly of God's love for you and God's kindness towards you, you will quit in your relationship you will disconnect yourself. Life will happen to you because you forget whose you are and who God is. You'll disconnect yourself. And you'll find yourself fractured spiritually. And you'll wonder why. Because at some point in some juncture of time, you've failed to let God remind you of all the things that got you into the spiritual place you once were. And so I want to say this I want to say this as a prayer for myself in this season. Remind me again, God. Come on, say it over yourself. Remind me again. Remind me again of your like, kindness. Because I, I once tasted of it. I once knew it. Or I once experienced it. Remind me again. Remind me again. I don't think we've ever lived in a time 
especially as we do today, where we need as many reminders. Like, man, there's so much stuff to do all the time. Like, I, I don't think there's ever been a time with all the things that are going on right now digitally, all the things that are going on right now, all the opportunities, the fact that we have vehicles, we can drive our four kids to like 20 different extracurricular activities. Well, back in the day when you had the horses and stuff, that wasn't happening. I don't think they needed as many reminders back in the day. No one's trotting their horse down the street, picking them up at ballet, dropping them off at jiu-jitsu, picking them up, dropping them off at kickboxing, picking them back up, dropping them off back at ballet again, bringing them back home, then bringing one to the musical theater dance class, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm speaking for a friend right now. And, and you know, we, back in the day, like, that just wouldn't happen, right? Like, I'm constantly needing reminders. Like, our schedule during the week is berserk mode. And I'm always asking my wife, even though I have it in my calendar, because it's always kind of changing a little bit, always altering a little bit. Okay, who am I dropping off? When am I picking them up? When am I going right I'm the driver. And, like, we're six in my family, and so five of us, five of us are in multiple things at the same time. And thank God we live in an area where I can pick up, drop off, and it's relatively quick. But I'm the driver, and I constantly need reminders. Man, we live in a time where we need calendar reminders. Some of you have on your phone when to take your medication. <laughs> you know, or some of you have on your phone, like, when to exercise or, you know, you know, when to get up in the morning or, you know, what time to show up at work, when you have to leave because traffic might happen at a certain time. And we need reminders constantly so we can keep up with life. Well, in, in our relationship with God, we need the same thing. We need some reminders. Like church, you don't have to go to a church in the as far as the gathering to be a Christian. But if you're a Christian, you should see the value and want to go to church. You don't have to be a car to go to a mechanic. But it sure helps, doesn't it? To maintain your vehicle. You're still a car. You don't have to, you don't, you know, you don't have to go to a mechanic if you want to be a car. No, no, don't self-identify as a car now. That would just be weird. No one wants to get in your vehicle, let me tell you. But we need reminders constantly, over and over again. Family stuff, phone calls, returning voicemails, appointments. Like I said, taking our meds, you know. And I think that we need reminders in this season of the church as a whole of the basic tenets of our faith. Like, what is salvation? What is forgiveness? What is repentance? What is water baptism what are the baptisms what's the study of the bible like what is prayer what is the lord's supper we're going to do that at the end of the experience like we need reminders of some of the basic tenets of our faith in this season how about reminders of just who you are some people woke up and forgot they were a man no oh, pin just dropped in the room they forgot they were a woman they forgot they were born with purpose and so they want to change themselves because I forgot that I was born with a purpose as a man, and now I don't feel comfortable as a man, so I want to be a woman. Like, this is some of the basic stuff that's happening. There's an assault on identity in this culture. If you don't see it, like, I'd suggest maybe we get some glasses because it's everywhere. We're being assaulted. Our identity is being assaulted, and we need reminders for some of the most basic stuff now. No, you were created this way with a purpose. God has a plan for you. Don't let the enemy psych you out and twist everything to tell you you're not who you were created to be and that you were an accident. Because to say you're not that, even though you were born that way, is to say you were an accident and God made a mistake. God made no mistake. God made no mistake. 
We need reminders over and over and over again. We need reminders to be thankful. How many believe that? To be thankful. And I just believe that the desire of Jesus today for all of us in this room is to communicate or to receive an encouragement to be reminded that being thankful is one of the best things that you can be. It says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 to 18, always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all, everyone say all, circumstances, not some. Like what does it look like to be thankful when inflation goes up? That's tough, right? What does it mean to be thankful when the politician that we wanted to win didn't win? What does it mean to be thankful when new legislation is, cre is made and that we don't agree with? What does it mean to be thankful when your house catches on fire? What does it mean to be thankful when your wife or your spouse are in crisis in their health? What does it mean to be thankful? What does it mean? It's not thank you God for the disease. Thank you God we celebrate the disease. No, it's thank you God that while I'm in the midst of this conflict, you are with me. Thank you God that while I'm in the midst of this fighting this disease, you're present and you are the healer. That's what it means to be thankful. It means to have a God perspective because thankfulness is the fruit of a faith-filled person. To be thankful is just simply a demonstration and a sign that you are a faith-filled person. To be in gratitude is simply a sign that you are a faith-filled person. Right? To be able to say, thank you, God, that my life is in shambles. My life, I always say this all the time. I mean, the only way you're going to get a crop is get some crap. Farmers know this. It's a great t-shirt. Crap for a crop. You need some crap sometimes for a crop. So thank you, God. I know this, it stinks. It sucks. We don't like the crap. We don't like the crisis. We don't like the trauma. No one wants that. But hey, it's happening. So, so how can I posture myself in a faith-filled posture well, to be thankful, because thankfulness is the fruit or the demonstration of a faith-filled posture in the heart. Are you with me this morning? we got to get this. We need reminders to be thankful. And I want to give us some keys this morning. Write this down. It's three things to be thankful for. Number one, write this down. Be thankful for the challenges. Be thankful for the challenges. Be thankful for the history. Be thankful for the past things that have taken place in your life, the things in the past that have taken place in your life that have been hard. Because people always say it, it's like hindsight is twenty twenty, right? You, you, you realize, you go back, you look back, you're like, wow, like, I'm a better version of myself because of all that. Now, that maybe didn't all have to happen, but it did. And so God is so good, he redeemed it all, and now I am where I am today. But don't be on the other side of it and be like, hey, I had some stuff, but I didn't get better with bitterness, I stayed bitter with bitterness. To be thankful for the past is to say, hey, I learned and I've seen and I've grown as a human and I have gotten better from bitterness. I didn't, be, I didn't stay bitter in my bitterness. Because it's hard to be thankful when you're bitter. It's hard to have a faithful perspective when you're in bitterness. Psalms 136 verse 1, the psalmist writes, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. That's a powerful statement. Because this hymn, this, this writing from this psalmist really recounts God's actions in the past 
He's recounting the creation story. He's, he's recounting the Exodus story of transition from slavery into the wilderness. He's, he's, he's championing this idea of giving of the land to Israel when they came into the promised land. He's celebrating, man, like there is so much to be thankful for in the past. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his mercy endures forever. That's a, that should be on your lips. I know it might sound super spiritual or whatever, but really, you know, you know, most people don't really realize this, but mercy is very important. Mercy is not giving you what you do deserve. Grace is giving you what you don't deserve. Mercy is not giving what you do deserve. Like, thank you, God. Your mercy endures forever that, God, you continually not give us what we do deserve. Like, that's, that's something to be thankful for. Like, you deserve a whole bunch of bad things because of all the things that you've done. But God is so good in mercy that he's not giving you what you do deserve. And he's so good and generous that he gives you grace, which is what you don't deserve. Psalms chapter 95 verse 2 says, Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. So the word is sacrifice of praise. Let us come before his presence. So we come here, we gather with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. You, some of us were like, well, we don't shout in church. Well, that's what the Bible says to do. I would encourage you. But that's not my personality. God doesn't care about your personality. He cares about your faith. He cares about your growth. If you stay stuck and justify why you don't do certain things because of your personality, you stay stuck and you don't grow. There's going to be times in your life you need to shout. Would you watch your kid run into traffic and whisper? It's not my personality. I don't shout. No, no, you just don't shout in spiritual contexts because somehow you don't feel free to do that. Right? You tracking with me? You, you see your kid cross the street, you're going to shout. It's not your personality. It's what you need to do to get the attention of your child. Well, what about what you need to do in faith to grow your spirit? We don't think this way for some odd reason. Right? Right? We'll dance at a party. You come to church and it's like, I'm happy. Can't you see that I'm happy? Like, Somehow we disconnect, and we miss it, and we're like, we're not growing in our faith because we've compartmentalized our spirituality. That's like one of the most dangerous things you can do. Man, God is with me wherever I am, period. I was last night till 12 a.m. at a bar. You're like, what, the pastor's at the bar? I was at a birthday party. We went to the bar. Most all of them in the bar were, it was actually at a speakeasy, which is like a, like a whiskey type bar, and I was at the bar, and uh, they, the 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 people that organized the the birthday, like I'm like the pastor in the room, right? So I love it. It's like I'm I'm the guy they asked to pray for the meal. I'm at the guy at every wedding. You know, I'm the guy, right? But I'm at, I'm at this bar. He's like, yeah, at the end, can you can you pray for the person that we were celebrating on the mic? And so I'm like, I'm gonna prophesy. I'm gonna pray. And I, I got up and it was awesome. At 10 o'clock, 10:30 at night, they called me up. You know, most people, some of them are just hammered drunk. Some of them are just like, you know, having a good time or whatever. And I get up and I'm like, how many in here have ever prayed at a bar <laughs> on a Saturday night? No one put up their head. I'm like, well, tonight is your night. 
and we're going to pray together. It was powerful, man. I'm telling you, like, we, we ended up taking time prophesying over this one individual on the mic, and I just used that as an opportunity because God's with me wherever I am. And man, so it was crazy. The presence of God filled that bar. You could feel the presence of God. The bartenders were like, what's going on? You know, people are encountering God. There's tears flowing. People are listening. They're tuning in. Man, we had so many amazing conversations after that. Some girl came up to me and was like, you're the coolest pastor I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, you're a pastor? It's funny, I, I forget that I know I don't look like the typical pastor. Like, I apologize I don't wear a suit on Sunday. But I'm in a Cineplex. I just don't feel like it fits. I'm sorry. You want to wear a suit to our church? Be more, we're, do it. Come as you are. Come as you are, you know. You want to wear a Speedo? Put some pants on. But anything else pretty much goes, well, to a degree, of course. But, I, man, the conversations I had after this moment of just prophesying and praying on the bar, and I had a mic. It's dangerous to give a preacher a mic, especially in that context. Like, man, I was, like, leaning into this moment. So many amazing conversations. Everybody just, like, what the heck? Like, you have a, like, you're, you're a pal. What? Like, there's churches like this? Like, it's crazy to, to, to me to, uh, I remind myself in these moments, like, how many people don't have a grid that there are churches like this? where people are normal and real, but yet supernatural at the same time. I love these moments. And I say that to say is I can't compartmentalize my faith. Back to what, am I, what I was saying is like, when you compartmentalize your faith, you are living in a dangerous, a dangerous spiritual life. You, you should not turn on God and turn off God. He is with me 24-7. I had this one conversation with the, it was one guy, he was like a Catholic guy, and uh, he's like, well, you do, do, you, do you do this? I'm like, well, I believe in the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but I don't do that. I don't need to, I don't think I need to do that to connect with God. Well, we had this whole, he was trying to like religiously argue me all this stuff. Like, what Jesus do you believe in? I'm like, the Jesus of the Bible. Well, which Bible? I know he's talking about translation. I'm like, bro, stop. <laughs> one Bible, many translations, okay? We had an interesting conversation. But I, like, in these moments, I just realized, like, man, how stuck people are. Because I said, I had this whole conversation with this guy. He was like, well, I go to the Catholic Church because that's where I feel like I, I encounter God. And it's like, but I, what if you can encounter God right here with me right now at the bar? It, like, blows people's minds to think that God is everywhere. Because people have grown up in a culture, in a religious culture, where you have to compartmentalize God. God is with me in the bar the same way he's with me right now on the stage, right here with me. The same way he's with me at home, with my family and my kids. I think we got to change our perspective a little bit. And this is kind of the context thinking about what Peter is saying. Be thankful in all circumstances. Like, invite me into your world. Don't just be thankful when you come to church. Praise the Lord, you know, pray. Like, be thankful in every situation. That's what he's saying. Like, include me. Invite me into your journey every day. That's, that's the premise of this. Be thankful always in every situation, when it's good and when it's bad. Psalms 95, verse 2. Let's go back there for a second. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. I love this because this is the Hebrew word todah. Everyone say todah. Someone got it. This, this word means adoration and praise. It can be translated in English as the sacrifice of praise because when you give thanks, you know what sometimes it feels like? It's like 
it's a sacrifice because you don't feel like giving thanks, right? How many of you ever felt like they don't want to give, like they don't actually want to say thank you? Because they're having a hard time. That it wasn't good enough. It wasn't the way it, they thought it was going to go. So how can I be thankful for something I don't feel thankful for? Thankfulness is not a feeling, it's a state of being. Well, I'm not being my authentic self. You know, it's like the culture say, I'm not, I don't feel like authentic. I don't feel it, so I'm not going to do it. Right? We, we get into that place, right? Thankfulness is not a feeling you feel. It's a state of being because of a perspective you have of who God is. So every time you're thankful, think of it like this. Ta-da! Say it. Ta-da! You come into a room and it's like, I don't feel it. I don't want it. I don't want to say it. I don't want to lift my hands and worship. I had a fight with my spouse on the way to church. I don't like even being in church. I feel uncomfortable. I feel challenged. The pastor's always yelling at me on the microphone. But I'm going to come in and I'm going to go, ta-da, I'm here, God. By faith. That's what thankfulness looks like, feels like, sounds like. It's a choice that you make to say, I'm going to lean in. Man, life is so hard right now, but thank you, God, that you're still good. And I'm having a hard time seeing that right now. I'm having a hard time seeing that you're good right now. It's really tough. My marriage is falling apart. My family is divided. I'm like, what, to lose my job? Can't pay my bills. Inflation's too high. I don't like Justin Trudeau. Like, all these things are happening. But thank you, God, that you're good. You hearing me? Like that's what it looks like. I like I would say like 50% of my communication with God every time I pray, every time I talk with him, I'm in a place of thankfulness. It's the only way I know I, I can't I can't start off just being a big God, I need this, I need this, please do this, please do I feel so weird doing that's not relationship. Imagine you only called your wife when you needed something. Wives are like, ah, see, I told you that wasn't supposed to be how it was, you know. Like, imagine you only called your friend when you needed something. That's not a relationship. How many have the friendships where you call people and like, like, how are you doing? Like, you're awesome. Like, you're amazing. I was thinking about you today, and I just was praying for you, and I just want to say thank you for your, 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 your position in my life. Thank you for your friendship. Like, how, how many people just do that? Maybe not enough. But that's how you build relationship. Ta-da! Everyone say, ta-da! That's how we want to present ourselves to God. Be thankful. Be thankful. You know, I'm, I'm thankful for this house. I'm thankful for where we've been and where we're going. I have some PTSD, which I call pastoral trauma stress syndrome from previous seasons of my life. You know, but I'm thankful. I'm thankful for where we've been. I'm thankful for where we are. And I'm thankful for where we're going. Is everything perfect? No. But thankfulness is not only to be given when everything is perfect. You know, I, I'd been sharing, I felt this, this gripping conviction to really, in this house, in this season, share about this idea that we were to address the sin of Achan. And the sin of Achan in the in Scripture, and I want to don't have time to go through all of this, but really it was Achan because he did not obey the instructions of God. They were they were conquering Jericho, and God said, "When you conquer Jericho, all of the spoils, silver, gold, and so forth, are mine. Bring them into my treasury. It's all mine. It's like an offering." 
And because they'd been in the wilderness living for so long, they, they get into the promised land, they conquer their first city. They have all these spoils, all this silver, all this gold, beautiful robes. And, and Achan, one man, decides to disobey the instructions of God and withhold what God said to give. And as a result, they lost the next battle. And we talk, we've been talking about how often I think we lose battles in life because we're not listening. We're not obeying the instructions. Like, we're always asking for the next word, the next step, the next thing. God's like, you didn't do the first thing. You've been losing battles because you didn't do the first thing. And I've been saying to our house, I feel like we will not win the next battle of getting a building until we can address the sin of Achan. And for us in this context, it may be, it has to do with finances. When often... Uh, 20%, I think in our house, I shared this last week, 22% of our house carries the financial weight for everybody. And I just don't think God wants to give us a building for the 22%. I think God wants to give us a building because we're all in together and we're all listening to God and how we are generous and invest in the house of God because we value the house of God. God cares more about the 80% coming with us in spirit than he does just the 22% carrying the load for everybody else. And we've talked about this over and over again about how when we withhold from God with our time, our gifts to serve the house of God, and even our finances, we are losing battles as a body. There are people in this room, man, like when you're strong and you're listening to God, the other person beside you wins. We're losing because people in the house collectively are not playing their part. And so I felt like God said to me, you can't go into the next season and win if we don't address the sin of Achan. That's a heavy one. But I have to say this, and I think we're still growing. We're still growing. In the last six weeks, we've seen an increase of 10.5% of people now starting to trust God with their finances. That's awesome. But what would it look like to be at 80%? What would we be able to do in a city with 80%? And how would we be able to move into the next season with 80%? And I would encourage you, like, if you're part of this house, you call this church your home, like, ask God, like, how can I contribute? Because I want to be a part of this. Because it's not about, at the end of the day, it's not about your money, it's about your heart. When you can trust God with your money, it's a sign that you have a surrendered heart. And we don't want to be like Achan and lose battles that we don't have to lose because we're not all collectively moving together and listening. Are you hearing me this morning? And I just believe this. I mean, I, I can look back over the years and say there's been four seasons, sometimes two to three years at a time, four seasons over the last almost two decades where, where we've had some really hard financial hits and times. And God's always been faithful to move us through. And I just believe that in the next season, one of the biggest financial struggles that we have right now is, God, how are we going to get a building? We don't want to be in Cineplex. God bless Cineplex. We're thankful for Cineplex. But we don't want to be here forever. Amen? Please say amen to that. Because, yeah, we want to say, we want to agree to that. Number two, write this down. Be thankful for the current contradictions. Write that down. Be thankful for the current contradictions. God will give you a promise. He will give you insight into a thing. He'll give you a vision. He'll give you a dream. And then you'll step into that space and you'll live in contradiction for a season. In other words, everything that has to do with that dream coming to pass seems to be in your current present life circumstances a direct contradiction. Right? 
you get married because you believe this woman is the woman of your dreams or vice versa and you get in and it's like it's just hard you know you get the job it's the job you've always wanted and it's like all of a sudden the manager that you wanted to work with moves out because he gets fired you get a new manager and it's no longer the job you've always wanted you're living in a contradiction but you knew going into it it was God leading you into that job so we are living constantly in contradiction do you know what I'm talking about we live in contradiction all the time and I want to be thankful for those current contradictions because Paul said or Peter said be thankful in all circumstances James chapter 2 verse 14 says brothers and sisters it doesn't make any sense listen to this very carefully to say you have faith and act in a way that denies that faith which by the way in essence is using the God's name in vain using God's name in vain in essence that's using God's name in vain to live the opposite life that you say you're called to live is using God's name in vain because you're misrepresenting his name and the power of his name we're called to be ambassadors of the kingdom and an ambassador represents another so when you're not representing another named Jesus correctly we are using his name in vain and he said this, this it doesn't make any sense for you to have faith and act in a way that denies that faith and listen to this mere talk never gets you very far and a commitment to Jesus only in words will not save you it won't it's lifestyle it's lifestyle it's practicing practicing going to the spiritual gym every morning and practicing living a life going to your workplace God how can I encourage people today how can I bring light today into this dark place how can I share the love of Jesus in this dark place today it's every day coming on mission and saying God I'm gonna practice my faith everywhere I am I'm gonna practice my faith Joseph had to deal with this Joseph had a word and then he was thrown into a prison like Joseph is one of the best stories, one of my favorite stories, the story of Joseph in Genesis, one of my favorite stories in all of the Bible because it's a story of real, like real powerful transformative forgiveness. It's so powerful to see that he was betrayed by his brothers, thrown into a pit, and yet somehow elevated himself, went to a palace, and somehow then went to jail, managed the jail, and somehow became second in command of the Pharaoh, and actually like, saved a whole people and actually preserved and saved at the end of the day reconciled with his brothers like to, to see the journey of joseph was just so so powerful but i don't think he learned any of that stuff that he learned to be second to pharaoh in the palace before he was accused and put in jail he learned it all in jail he i think joseph learned to be thankful while he was in prison so much so that god favored and elevated him because he said listen i can trust that heart because he won't just be thankful when he's on the mountaintop in the palace. He'll be thankful while he's in the pit. He'll be thankful while he's in the prison. He'll be thankful when his things, his life, his job, his career doesn't go the way that he wanted it to go. He'll be thankful even when his marriage falls apart. He'll be thankful and he'll still have a, a faith-filled heart perspective of who I am as good even in the midst of all the bad. That's why I'll elevate Joseph. Can you do that in this season? Can you find thankfulness when it's not going the way that you want it to go, can you find thankfulness? We have to have our prayers in this season be seasoned with thanksgiving. Can we do that? 
put a little cinnamon, nutmeg, I'm, this is the stuffing recipe, you know, cinnamon, nutmeg, carnation milk, celery, onion, pepper, salt. Can we season our prayers with Thanksgiving in this season? Can we do that? Because, I, you know, it's funny, I, I, there's many different styles of prayer. How many know, I've heard different people pray before? You're like, they, they have a style, they have a style, they have a style. Everyone has a different style. Or some people have, <laughs> I love, my favorite style is those that, it's like they're writing a letter to God. Dear God. Dear Lord. <laughs> Sorry, I find it funny. I, I, I have a hard time with this sometimes. I find it funny. Like, I'm not knocking you. If you want to do that whole letter thing to God, dear Lord, all your prayers signed, sincerely, Sean Gaby. Yeah, like, like it's been a, a great day, Lord, and, and today I've been driving on the, you know, it's like a letter, a love letter to God. Sure, you want to do that, but I just think, and there's, and there's also those that, you know, say God or Father at every, like, every 15-second increment. Thank you, Father. I love you, Father. God, you're so good, Father, Father, Father. It's like, it's like if I'm talking to Matt, I'm like, Matt, you're an awesome guy. Matt, you're so cool. Matt, where are we going after this service today? Matt, I just love your hat today. Matt, I love your sweater. Matt, how you doing today, Matt? Matt, it's like, okay, I know he knows I'm talking to him. But we have this style, don't we, like, where we include all these things. I think sometimes because we're uncomfortable. Sometimes. Especially in a public setting. So all these filler words get in. I just encourage you, just in this season, throw out your style and just season it with thanksgiving. Thank you, God, that you are good. I'm here right now, and I, I don't feel good. I don't feel like it's a good season, but thank you that you're faithful, and you're going to pull me out of this season, whatever it is. You're going to pull me out of this struggle right now. I trust you. I trust you with my family. I trust you with my kids. I trust you. I don't want to pray. I don't want to worship, but I'm going to ta-da today. I'm going to show up today. I'm going to come before you with thanksgiving today. And I'm going to thank you for how kind you've been. And I can see it. Right now, I don't feel your kindness too much. I don't see it that much. But I'm going to thank you for the kindness that I've seen in the past. I'm going to acknowledge what you've done before. Just season it with thanksgiving. You watch what happens because thanksgiving actually opens up doors in our life. I want to show this one more scripture, and then we're, going to, we're almost done here, and we're going to go into communion in a second. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Read it with me here. Well, you don't have to read it out loud, but I'll read it for you, but watch on the screen. Continue earnestly in prayer. Be vigilant. Everyone say, or sorry, vigilant. Vigilant. I just made up a word. Being vigilant, which means to stay awake. So be vigilant, stay awake. In it with thanksgiving. Continue earnestly in prayer, be vigilant, or to stay awake, stay awake in it with thanksgiving. Now, let me rephrase this whole verse based upon the Greek way of reading this verse, okay? It could be read like, continue, listen to this, with intense effort to pray while staying awake, being in the position of or realm of thankfulness. So stay awake in the position or in the realm of thankfulness. Isn't that powerful? I want to be in the realm of thankfulness. It's a position. It's a realm. It's an atmosphere. I want to find that atmosphere. I want to be vigilant in this area. Thanksgiving, write this down, is simply just this. 
an expression of gratitude. It's an expression of gratitude. And all the self-help guys get this, by the way. Somehow we've lost it in the church. Gratitude. Start your day off with gratitude. Start your day off with things. I mean, this is biblical. This is actually a spiritual law. When you do this, you set your, the, the framework of your day up to be a lot better than it would if you didn't. This is just, these are just facts. Number three, number three, last point. Number three. Are you guys okay? Be thankful for what is to come. Be thankful for the future. Be thankful for what is to come. It hasn't happened yet. Part of how I pray for things to come is I thank God for them before they happen. Thank you, God, for the miracle in my personal finances in this season. Thank you, God, for the miracle in my family in this season. Thank you, God, for this healing in my family, in my own body. I, that's how often I approach God. Because, once again, thanksgiving is the fruit of a faith-filled perspective. So thanksgiving is a sign that I'm in faith. And Hebrews 11, verse 6 says it's impossible to please God except by faith. So thanksgiving is a sign that I'm actually in faith. You know that every time you pray for someone to be healed, you are simply thanking them that Jesus has already healed them. You're aligning yourself with the truth of what's already taken place. Jesus cannot heal, would not heal if he, had, would, if he did not already die on a cross. His body would not be broken for our, for our sins, but also for our disease and our sickness. So it's already been paid for. It's already been done. And so when we pray for healing, we're simply aligning with the truth of what's already been finished on the cross over 2,000 years ago. So when you pray, think of it this way. You're actually thanking God for what he's already done. You're coming into alignment with it. Thank you. Prayer is a form of thanksgiving, reminding God through prayer what he has promised is so important, promised for the future, being thankful for what is to come because your future is bright. We see this all throughout scripture. People, especially like Moses, often reminding God of his promises. Abraham reminding God of his promises. Jacob reminding God of his promises. Isaac reminding God of his promises. God, you said, God, you said, God, you said, thank you that what you said will come to pass. Thank you that you are faithful to perform your word. Exodus chapter 32, verse 13. Remember the sacred promise you made to your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. This is Moses. You swore, I will make your descendants as many as the stars in the sky, and I will give them all this land as I, has, as I have promised. I will be their everlasting inheritance. He's reminding God of what he had promised. That's what thanksgiving really is at the end of the day, is reminding God what he's already promised. I hope you're getting something from this. Thanksgiving gives us access. Psalms 100 verse 4 Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. You break that down in the Hebrew, simply saying this. When you're thankful, you act as your own gatekeeper for the things that are on the other side of that locked gate. You have things to, that you need. You need supply for, provision, resource. You have answers to prayer. They're on the other side of that locked gate. And thanksgiving breaks through the gate to give you access. And you, give, you have the right to that access. You act as a gatekeeper through thanksgiving. How many want to open the gate? 
There's gates. There's things that are stopping you right now. There's gates in front of you. You cannot get to the other side of what you need on the other side until you are thankful. That's why there's power in gratitude. There's power in thanksgiving. I'm going to have the, the team get ready to pass out the, uh, the body and the, the blood of Jesus. We're going to take have the Lord's Supper here tonight. Some of you know that as the Eucharist. It's power in this moment. This is not a symbol. This is not a symbol, symbolic act. This is a spiritual experience. I do not believe that this is a symbol. When you treat it as a symbol, you treat it, it becomes a ritual. But when it's a spiritual experience, it's a whole different thing. When I lift my hands to God, it's not a symbol. It's a spiritual act of an inward surrender. When you take part in communion, as part of the broken body and the blood, you are simply exchanging. There's an exchange that's happening. There is a, there is a reciprocal exchange that happens with God in relationship when you interact with this. And before you take it, we're going to do it together. As we're passing it out to you, please be as quick as possible, team. Get this out to, to everybody. As you receive this, I'm just going to read this scripture over you in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 to 25, which is where we in part get our instruction for this, okay, and see the value of this. And in light of Thanksgiving Sunday, it's so powerful that we do this today, Thanksgiving Sunday, Thanksgiving weekend. But Paul is recounting the story of the Last Supper with, with Jesus and he says this, for I have received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that on the Lord, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. Same night he was betrayed. Same night when things fell to, let's say, crap. Maybe you don't like that word in church. I'm sorry, but I don't know how else to say it. Garbage. Things fell to garbage on that night. He got betrayed by his finance guy. He got betrayed by his right-hand guy. On the night things fell apart he was thankful why be thankful in all circumstances right you're hearing this the night he was betrayed he gave thanks he took bread thank you and when he had given thanks which is the word eucharistio in the greek which is why we call this the eucharist it's the greek word and that word in the greek literally means the good and well-meaning favor of god when you give thanks listen to this you guys you release favor over the atmosphere and into the atmosphere. Thanksgiving has power not only to unlock gates, but to release something powerful into the atmosphere. When he said Eucharistia, I gave Eucharistia, he unlocked favor in that moment, which is why we bless our food. The premise was that also every time you come together to eat, you bless your food so that any poison or any you know, sourness or anything that would cause you to be sick is taken out, spiritually speaking, and you don't get affected by the food. That's the power of blessing. So this is a practice that took place all the time. To give thanks is to release favor over the elements. This is why it's more than just a symbol. Something was unlocked in this moment. He said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. By the way, all the Catholics love me when I talk about this, this topic. Because I'm actually way more, uh, as far as theology or as doctrine is concerned, on the, the side of uh, how the Catholics view the body of Christ. Because I see it all through Scripture. I can, I can literally talk to you for hours about this. It's everywhere in Scripture. That when you bless something, when you give thanks over something, those elements are no longer the same. Because, you, you, I mean, you, you believe in, you know, Acts chapter 19, you know, Paul 
had handkerchiefs and aprons that touched his body and they were taken to the sick and they were healed. How did that happen? The same way it happens with the elements. Something supernatural is infused into the elements. I believe this. Some of you are like, what is he talking about? I, once again, I can, we can talk about this for hours. It's all throughout scripture. When you give thanks, you release God's favor into the room, into, an, into something, into it. It can touch objects. You've heard of voodoo? That's the other side of it. There's only, there's only the, the, the counterfeit is only exists because there's a true. Just saying. So if Paul can bless handkerchiefs and aprons and they heal the sick, why can't we bless the elements so that when we take the elements, there's actually an exchange in relationship with God that's transformative. The same thing, by the way, happened in Mark chapter 6. You can read it when there was thousands of people without food. The disciples had no bread, had not enough fish. God was like, Jesus was like, you feed them. He's like, how are we going to do that? He broke it. He said, he gave thanks. He gave Eucharistio. That's what it says in the scripture. When he gave thanks, then they passed it out. You know what happened? Something supernatural happened to those loaves of bread, which made them multiply. What did he do? He gave Eucharistio. He unlocked favor from heaven over the element, and it multiplied. I can show that to you multiple times in Scripture. That's why this is real. There's power in this moment. This is not just a symbol. So it says here, I'm going to continue on, then we're going to take it, take, eat, this is my body, this is my, which has been broken for you, broken to heal you of your sickness and disease, broken to heal you of your brokenness. Do this in what? Why? Because we need reminders. We need major reminders. This is something to be done. You should be doing this in your household all the time. You don't need me. I do not believe for one moment that I'm this holy priestly person that you can only do communion because we serve it to you. That is, I believe that's a false doctrine in the church. This should be something that you do because of what it means for you. And it's to, to do this in remembrance. You need that reminder that Jesus has actually already healed you past, present, and future. And you're just simply aligning yourself with that truth of healing. Then he goes on to say, in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Why? Because we need reminders that his blood actually saved us from our junk. His blood cleansed us of all unrighteousness. His blood removed the stain of sin, guilt, and condemnation. His blood did all that. So we need reminders of that. When we come in here to church on Sunday, we're like, I feel unworthy. I can't worship God if God only knew or if, if the people only knew what I did last night or the fight I had with my wife on the way here. Look at the time. Thank you, God. And I, I just I, I just can't worship God. I can't, I can't worship God. I can't be free in church. And then we need that reminder that says, wait, 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 you can, because God has set you free. In the past, before you ever even were born, before you ever even sinned, before you ever even did that thing last night, before you ever even got in a fight with your wife on the way to church, and now you feel guilty and you can't worship God, lift your hands in church, can't say the ta-da, can't do the Thanksgiving thing, you don't feel it, you don't feel the emotion of it, you don't feel like you're being authentic, no, 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 no. You can do all of that because His blood has set you free. And when you align yourself with that truth, you can come into that space in faith and find freedom and find healing. Amen? So thank you, God, for the body and the blood. We just bless this.
We bless this moment. We thank you that in your body, there's healing for our bodies. In your broken body, there's healing for our broken bodies. In your blood, there's healing. There's a reminder that you have set us free. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's, let's take it. Please just stand up with us. I want to pray. I just believe as we close this morning. I know there are people in, in this room right now that need to get their heart right. I just feel the Lord's, like I, I can feel the, the, it's almost like a burden for some of you in the room. And you, you, you know you're just not in the right place where you need to be in your spirit. You came in here, there's heaviness. There's walls. That's okay. It's okay. You you being in here is just part of weakening those walls. God has a, des a desire to weaken those walls so much that you're free again. Because some of you used to be free. Life happened, you just feel stuck. God wants to set you free, I believe. God wants to just not only weaken the wall a little bit more today, he wants to break down the wall for you. There are people in this room that like, you've just not been around church for a long time. You've not been in church. You don't see the value of it. I get it. Sometimes we don't see the value of it because we only go once in a while. And I think that when you get into a habit of healthy living, you get into a habit of going to the gym, you start seeing the value of it. You can't just go to the gym once every three months. You need to go more because that's when you'll see the value of it. And I just believe that this morning, if you could just close your eyes just for a few moments as we close here. If you feel comfortable, just lift your hands just as a form of surrender. Some of you, maybe it's the first time lifting your hands in church, you feel absolutely super awkward. That's the very thing that's going to break down the wall. Part of you breaking down the walls in your heart is simply just saying, I don't care what anybody thinks anymore. All I care about is I want, the, I want to fix this relationship issue that I have with you, God. I, I feel like I'm far from you, even though you're not far from me. I feel like I'm far from you. I feel like I'm disconnected. I feel like I'm not where I'm supposed to be. And I just, I pray today. I pray for everybody in this room that this would be just one moment in this season of your life that would cause you to come a little closer. Come a little closer in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, I pray that your presence would just overwhelm us this morning. Overwhelm us. Overwhelm us this morning. I pray that you would deliver us from anything that's holding us down. I pray for addictions in this room, that you would break those addictions in this room. In Jesus' name, sexual addictions, God. Things that are holding us hostage in this room. I pray for deliverance and freedom right now. God, addictions to substances, addictions to running to the next thing to find some sort of uh, solace or freedom or, or feel something. I pray that, God, we would go to you to find our joy, go to you to find our strength. Holy Spirit, I pray uh, there's those in, in this room that just feel backbitten, betrayed, feel divided from family and relationship. I pray for restoration this morning. I pray for a renewed, a renewed perspective this morning that there is restoration in the cards for them. That God, they would see that you are a good God this morning and leave with that on their mind and in their heart in Jesus' name. God, I pray for those that maybe have never said yes to you. That in this moment, God, that there would be like a, a, an internal surrender for them. 
to acknowledge that, hey, you died on a cross. You died to pay off their sin debt that they could never pay. And you said all you have to do is say yes. All you have to do is believe that I am Lord and I did raise from the dead and I will take care of the rest. I just pray for those that are in that space in this room that in Jesus' name you would meet them where they're at right now. Show them what forgiveness is all about. Show them what a healed, transformed life looks like in this next season. God, I pray for physical healing in the room right now. For those that need physical healing in their bones, in their body, God, in their nerve endings, God, in their wrists, in their shoulders, in their backs, God, in their organs. I pray for a release of healing right now. Your body was broken to heal our body, and so we just accept that right now in the room. We accept your healing right now. We invite your healing into the room. Come on, disagree with me right now. We invite your healing into the room right now. Do your thing right now. Do your thing in our lives right now. Right now. Marriages, I pray for just restored marriages. Restored marriages. Restored hope. Restored hope. Restored hope. Restored relationship with kids that maybe have gone off track and maybe there's a disconnect with some of the kids. God, we just pray for a restoration with the children in Jesus' name. And I just pray that in this season, God, everybody, when they go back to their job, back to their career, even this week, that, that you would blow it up, God, in this. Like, you would just give them opportunity to share their faith, give them opportunity to see you move. God, I pray that you'd blow it up. Blow it up. Remove the dullness. If you're bored in your Christian faith, it's not because God's boring. It's because you've made him boring. You've let yourself get bored. And I pray that you'd spice it up, God, in this season for everybody in the room. Spice up the boredom. Come on, just release the boredom right now. We got, we can't be bored because God is not boring. So God, I pray that you'd spice up life again in Jesus' name.